Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We are at the St. Paul Ice Show in St. Paul, Minnesota, and this is really the mecca of ice fishing. Just about everyone who is anyone in ice fishing is here, and today we're talking to another podcaster, Barb Carey. Barb, thanks for coming on. Tell us about your show. What's it called, and where can people find you if they want to listen to your show? Well, we have the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. Myself and my partner, Angie Scott, have been running that for just about a year now. And uh, we kind of, she lives in Nashville and I live up in Wisconsin, so we can cover a lot of ground, everything from ICAST to the Bassmaster Classic. And we kind of get around and we want to tell stories to inspire women and interview a lot of women that are makers and shakers in the industry. And um, we're having a great time. So, Barb, I've listened to your show. I really enjoyed it. It's fun to, to go on there and, and hear a different perspective because so many of these shows are run by men and they're kind of telling the story by a man's perspective. Why do you think it's important for people to hear the story from a woman's perspective? Well, I think the big thing is, you know, one of the sayings we have is if she can do it, I can do it. And when women see someone that's similar to themselves achieving something or having some type of adventure, a lot of times it resonates and I'm like, hey, if they're doing it, I can do it. And that's the kind of inspiration that can spark people. And, you know, through the course of my lifetime, I, I worked as a nurse, I worked as a police officer, and now for the last 14 years, I've been working in the fishing industry. And I can honestly say that I've changed more lives through fishing than I have in either of those other caretaking um, positions that I had. So I find that really interesting. But, you know, fishing does have an impact on people and in living outdoors and hunting and experiencing nature. And those are all wonderful things. Yeah. What's what's kind of a story that you can tell me right now that's like the top of mind about someone that you've brought into fishing? Um, well, you know, it's someone who uh, only fished with their male partner for a long time and they were never able to really make any decisions. So um, they ended up joining a women's fishing club and um, started participating with us. And it's like all of a sudden all these light bulbs started going off for her. It's like, oh, I could fish for whatever species I want or I could pick what baits I want or I could drive the boat. And, you know, once women kind of improve their skills, you know, in, in an atmosphere that's really conducive to their learning style, it's very empowering for them, you know, and uh, I got another call one day that said, oh, I used to fish with my husband all the time and we really had fun, but now he's disabled. I don't have anyone to go with. So these are kind of things that, you know, it just kind of creates opportunities that, you know, it's hard as a woman just to go out by yourself if you don't know anyone, especially ice fishing, because you just can't go try it because there's so much gear involved. It's not like going down to the riverbank and taking a cast. I mean, you need a certain amount of gear to be able to go out ice fishing. So we've seen this wave of women that have started ice fishing and it has grown by leaps and bounds in the past 10 years. Yeah, and that's something, that, another thing that you're doing, you have what you're calling the Woman Ice Angler Project. Tell us about that and what you're doing there. Well, that started about six years ago. You know, um, I'm a ice team pro for Clam Outdoors and work for a couple companies as a pro ice angler. And uh, I've been creating ice fishing classes and events for women for about 14 years. 
And I see the numbers just skyrocket from when we started to where they are right now. And I see these women buying gear and buying suits and buying ATVs and trailers and hard houses. They're spending a fortune. But when the catalogs would come out in the fall, there would be no women ice anglers photos anywhere. You just never saw anything. It's like a lot of the, the companies and the marketing materials weren't really staying up to speed with the reality of their customers. And that started to really kind of rub women the wrong way. So I kind of gathered some media friends. I'm also a writer and I know photographers and radio personalities. And we started a project called the Women Ice Angler Project just to kind of create those images and that content to be able to give to companies to say, hey, okay, here it is. Now you don't have an excuse. And since then, you know, we've been in big box stores like Gander Mountain, big posters of women ice anglers. And um, it's kind of changed the, um, the landscape in some of the marketing materials, although there is really a long way to go. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the things that I've seen really is in the apparel. Um, more and more apparel really geared for women and not just men's stuff with, with you know, pink accents or purple accents like they're making apparel that is really designed for women now which is kind of cool to see oh absolutely you know and that's a topic of conversation all the time you know and it's like not only the suits but you know boots and gloves and everything else and they need they want function they don't want something that's pinkified you know for so many years they would come out with a pink women's fishing rod, but it would be crap. You know, it would be really poor quality. You know, women couldn't feel the bite. And then they'd get frustrated because they would be cold. Like the men's ice fishing boots would be 1,500 grams of thinsulate, and the women's would be 800. Well, that doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. So they're finally understanding um, that, yeah, they're here to stay, they have money to spend, and they're demanding these quality gear. It's not perfect by any means, but it's a lot better than it used to be. What is it about ice fishing that you think resonates with women? Why do they pick it up? Why do they enjoy it? Well, you know, winter is long, you know, and when you decide how you want to choose your life, you know, you can sit in your house and complain about the elements and the weather and what's happening, or you can get out there and participate in it. And I tell you, when you're out there on the ice, it's kind of like being on the moon. You hear sounds that you don't hear anywhere else, like the making ice. It sounds like these magical whales that are bellowing in the background and the crystals of the ice and the snow, you know, glittering and those little mini rainbows that form. and. Um, you know the sting of the cold on your cheeks I like that I love that um, you know you can walk anywhere and that crunching sound is you know and it's kind of like a camping thing ice fishing can be very social you know a lot of these big hub shacks that they have out now you know you have your little village of people and it takes teamwork you know women like going in groups there's not too many women that are just going out solo even though they probably could if they wanted to but it's kind of like a sense of community and I think that's why these women's fishing clubs and women's fishing groups are um, kind of being so successful and growing so fast is because women feel like they're part of something just like the you know for years guys going to hunting camp that there was something about going to hunting camp or fish camp you know or, or fishing with your buddies on opening weekend trips you know those things are part of a subculture 
that women are just finally starting to get to that party and that's why they're eating it up so much because it is really you know wanting to be a part of something and there's nothing better than playing outside even as a grown-up so barb we're we're having you on you're a writer you're a podcaster you do a lot of different things but you're a fishing guide in wisconsin and that's really what we wanted to talk to you about today was your experiences in Wisconsin and some of your favorite lakes because there's a lot of ice fishing content and a lot of it is really targeted towards Minnesota just because the culture and what we have there right but uh, we really love to talk to you about Minnesota or about Wisconsin lakes and what are some of your favorite places for ice fishing and for Wisconsin well you know we have such a diverse fishery and I, I got to start with the Great Lakes because um, we do an annual trip down to the Milwaukee area to ice fish for these huge brown trout and there is nothing like it. I mean that's a whole experience you know you're fishing with skyscrapers in the background and um, open Lake Michigan in that you're on the horizon but you're on ice and catching these giant brown trout I mean and then in contrast you can go all the way up to the northern part of Wisconsin and fish on Lake Superior out of Ashland Wisconsin again I mean one fishing outing I had there I caught 12 species in one day Wow so that kind of diversity of the fishery is um, what I like, you know, and I do, it's kind of like a cycle, you know, you start, you know, you can go whitefish fishing in Green Bay and the Wisconsin River that runs through um, the state of Wisconsin has a lot of flowages that have been dammed up and they have a slot limit, you know, where you got to release all the fish 20 to 28 inches of the for walleye. and you are able to catch a lot of really big fish on some of those. I fish Castle Rock Lake and the Pete and Well Flowage and places like that. Big crappies, big walleyes, and that's some fun fish in there. Yeah, how do you fish something like that? I mean, I've, I actually had a cabin on Pete and Well. Oh, you and, did? And we did some ice fishing out there, and it was such a puzzle to me because it's a big piece of water. It's really about the same depth throughout most of it, but you've got that channel running through there, and... It's just kind of a puzzle to figure out. So when you're fishing a flowage like that, with really a pretty strong current running through it, the channel right. is definitely defined through that lake. How do you put something like that together? Well, I think that, you know, it's really gotten a lot easier with Navionics on your phone. I mean, I remember drilling augers empty of gas twice in one day, trying to find these channel edges because it was guesswork. But now with the Navionics app on your phone, you can get to these little corners and outside turns and inside bends and find these spots on the spot that um, really are holding fish. The key, one of the key is, is to fish in the summer. I mean, if you're able to mark a lot of those brush piles that are on the corners or the points of this channel that goes through, that's where the crappies are gonna be holding. And um, it's, you know, that's part of the puzzle. And the, whenever you're running a, fishing a, a river like that, it can change every year. You know, you find a really good spot and then there's a washout or something and it'll change everything. So um, I, I find it almost easier to fish because the channel is so defined. Mm -hmm. You know, they're gonna be somewhere near there. Sure. So you talked about fish in Milwaukee earlier. What, what kind of gear does someone need to do something like that? 
Well, the big thing that people use in Wisconsin, you know, the people that that's their thing, they're using the automatic fishermen. Okay. You know, but those, I don't even believe they're legal in Minnesota. I think it's a Wisconsin thing. Any, it's an automatic hook setting device, you know, so you put your jig rod in there and the fish take it and it pops and people run like heck, you know, to get there because tip ups, you know, those trout and salmon are so smart that you know they'll spit that out before they get very far so my best success has been just jigging a jigger on on with a little gold spoon in fact uh, the biggest one I ever caught I was sitting in a hub shack and um, we were actually going to record a podcast so I had my my rod on my chair and I had the little gold spoon in the water, but my Vexlar was in the water, and I'm dinking around with my podcast gear, and um, all of a sudden I see this huge red mark coming up from the bottom going to my bait, and just, I saw, you know, just as my rod just went, I grabbed it in the nick of time, and I had about a 45-minute fight with wow. a huge brown trout. It was so fun. What's that like out there? What kind of culture is that like? Because I can only imagine, I know there's a big shore fishing culture down there, and I can imagine those people are out on the ice during the winter time. So how many how many people are out there with you when you're out there? Well, it's changed recently, you know, with all the social media stuff and some of the big name guides that are out there doing videos and stuff, it's not hard to figure out where they are. So there's not a lot of space and, you know, there's not a lot of ice. It's not like you're fishing a big lake, but... Um, it's still something that, you know, there's a, there's never been a time I've gone there that there hasn't been a place to fish. Um, it's still, you know, people got to, you got to get downtown Milwaukee, you know, it's kind of a trek and it's kind of a specialized thing except for the people that live nearby, but there's room for everybody, you know, it's the same thing applies, you know, you don't want to be hugging anyone too close, give everyone plenty of room. and. A lot of it's luck of the draw you know some spots are probably a little higher producing than others depending on where you are but um, midweek I would recommend really if you're gonna go it's weekends are a lot busier sure Wisconsin also has a lot of places like what we see in northern Minnesota where you're kind of up you know in, in places that are far off and and maybe little towns here and there but for the most part it's not quite wilderness but it almost feels that way what are some of your favorite kind of up north inland lakes well i actually cross over into the up of michigan quite a bit and you talk about untapped resources up there i mean uh northern wisconsin you know the whole Manaqua area that that kind of gets pretty hard it gets a lot of tourists but if you just go a little bit farther to the northeast you're into the up of michigan and some of those lakes are like ghost towns and I tell you, there's one um, body of water which is kind of a flowage, uh, which is called the Michigami Reservoir, and um, that is kind of an electric company thing that's dammed up, and several lakes and rivers have kind of combined to make this water, and the fishing is unbelievable. But you know, be between the few local people that go there, it is not a tourist destination at all. You know, I catch 14-inch crappies and you know, 11 inch bluegills and walleyes and pike and nice perch. So those are the kind of places that um, I like going. I'm fr I grew up near there, so I have family there. So a lot of times you're, I'm if I'm going to point A to point B, I'm gonna fish the spots that are in between there. Um, what, but, what do your clients think when they go to a place like that? 
Um, well, I've taken uh, groups of women up there um, in the summer mainly, you know, and it's like, it's, you know, you think you're in Canada, you know, and it's so inexpensive, you know, and it's not far. So it's kind of like an, I don't even know why I'm talking about it because it's, I want it to remain a secret, <laughs> but now I'm talking about it. So I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but um, it, you know, it's the thing about ice fishing, you know, I, I know I love coming to Minnesota because you guys' gills are like these hybrid gills that you have around here. We, we were fished Ottertail County for uh, crappies and bluegills one year for the Women Ice Angler Project. And I've never seen gills and crappies like that. I mean, those are the big foreheads, you know, and the great big hybrids. But uh, so it's, uh, it's nice having destinations to go to. And I've written several articles about that and encouraging people to get away from their same lake they fish all the time and go exploring a little bit. I mean, the possibilities are endless. You know, I mean, I fished Winnipeg last year for the first time and with social media and information out on podcasts and Facebook and other social media platforms, there's a lot of information to be had and it doesn't take long. Um, perch fishing on Lake Ogibbic, that's another big one that we've done a few times, which is also in the UP of Michigan. So it's like species and destination specific trips. You know, let's go perch fishing. So then you find that perch destination or walleye or whitefish or whatever. And I think that's a trend that's really happened more recently just with all the information that's available so easily. All right. I'm going to make this really difficult for you. You can only fish for one species the rest of your life. What's it going to be? I'd have to say walleye. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when I started out, and this is part of some of the reason why I'm so passionate about teaching women to fish is because when I started and there was no other women, I didn't have anyone in my life that was a good angler that was teaching me, you know, like a mentor that was close. So I found myself flailing, you know, and asking a lot of like older guys and stuff. And in that time of the whole culture, they weren't sharing anything. They wouldn't tell anybody anything. It was that big secret, everything's a secret, you know? So it took me really a long time to develop my skills. And uh, I remember um, I would buy a bottle of champagne in the spring and I would keep it in the refrigerator until I caught a walleye. And sometimes it wasn't until pretty late in the summer till I caught a walleye and then there was all this rejoicing, oh my god, I caught a walleye, you know. Obviously that's changed, but I still remember those pinnacle moments for me, like my biggest walleye that I, the first big walleye I ever caught ice fishing, I remember that. You know, it was 26 inches when now it's like small compared to what I've caught since then. But that fish meant so much to me because I was by myself. I was really, you know, trying really hard and having a lot of failures. And then I caught this 26 inch walleye and it was the biggest walleye I had ever seen. And I, I got it mounted and still that's the only fish I've ever had mounted is that one 26 inch walleye. And it means more to me because it was like the point where, okay, I did it, you know, I got it. And so, you know, that's kind of still holds a special place in my heart. I love spring walleye fishing in the river. I love ice fishing for walleye. And I love shore fishing for walleye. I mean, I, I, I have a nice boat. I can go out on Lake Michigan and everything else, but there's something about standing on the side of the Wisconsin River shore fishing for walleye too, so. What's your best advice for somebody who's 
just getting started in uh, ice fishing and, and wants to get to maybe a point where you are in their knowledge base? Well, the big thing is to kind of get hooked up with people that go and, uh, and learn, you know, and I think that keeping an open mind, I mean, I, even everything, all the knowledge I've gained over the years, I still go in and think, pretending like I, there's, uh, what can I learn today, you know, and different like search baits don't get stuck a lot of times you know you get the mistake I see new anglers make is they drill a hole and they sit there you know if there's no fish there move you got to keep moving you know and in all the gear is related to mobility on ice now I mean it's so easy to be mobile you don't have to sit in one spot and um, just read and and ask and go with people who are going to help you become better and then pay it forward and bring someone else new and the more you go the better you get is there something that you want to talk about that I didn't ask you um well you know I just think uh, for women that are out there there's more resources than ever you know so a lot of people are hesitant to take that first step just take that first step and make that connection you know join a fishing club get involved we have a Facebook page through our podcast you know which is kind of we have a a regular page and then a group page and there's places where people can ask questions and feel safe you know I know that social media and Facebook a lot of times is a double-edged sword you know you put yourself out there and someone says something hurtful and you know you kind of withdraw and not get too engaged in it but there are places for women that they can feel totally safe and comfortable and not worry about any question they think is stupid and really have a lot of support around their adventures in the outdoors so don't hold back yeah where can people find you and more about you uh, well the podcast is the woman angler and adventure and we're on uh, apple um, itunes uh, spotify waypoint tv um, youtube we do a lot of videotaping of our shows and then i got a, a captain barb carey facebook page a barb carey and WI Women Fish and Women on Ice. You know, we have a lot of outlets out there just to be able to give women just a, a resource that they could really benefit from. Awesome. Well, thanks, Barb, for being on the show and thanks for doing what you do and we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.